the WTF1 post-race podcast. I feel like I may have been watching a slightly different race to everybody else because I kind of enjoyed the Miami Grand Prix. Yes, Max Verstappen romped to victory, but the way he did it, I thought was actually quite astounding. Perez having to settle for second in front of Fernando Alonso, who turns his poor form of fourth place in Baku back into a third place he's become so accustomed to. Uh, Lovely fight backs from uh, Lewis Hamilton. And what about Kevin Magnussen and Charles Leclerc fighting it out on track? There was some good stuff in that race, I think. Welcome to the WTF1 Post Miami podcast. My name is Harry Benjamin. Joining me is racing driver Callan O'Keefe. And this week, we have WTF1 website editor Charlie Williams to dissect all things Miami. Uh, before we get properly into things, please do leave a rating and review wherever you listen to these podcasts. They're really helping us to structure and steer the new look show forward. So it's massively appreciated. Uh, but let's dive into Miami then. I mean, Callan, was I watching a completely different race? I know it seems a bit ominous uh, that Max Verstappen was able to win in the way he did from ninth on the grid but there was some good stuff in there right i mean if if you're sort of like looking at it from the outside there's um there's that thing isn't there where sleep experts recommend that before you go to bed at night you fully wind down no excitement no nothing and and i think quite a lot of people probably had quite a good night's sleep last night after watching that but um (laughs) i think you're right i think there was a lot more talking points than actually meets the eye and obviously you know we were talking about it on the last pod about how Sergio Perez has kind of like staked his claim to take the fight to Verstappen. Well, I think he's uh, he's going to have to go back to the drawing board now and and find that next gear again because Max was absolutely dominant this weekend. Uh, Charlie, Verstappen carving through the field like he did. I mean, we all expected that, let's be honest. But the way he did it and how quickly he did it, going so long on that first set of hard tyres. But then what was... The most interesting thing to me and what actually elevates that drive, we know we all know how good Verstappen is, but what elevated it for me was just how clinical he was in his overtaking. But also once Perez came into the pits uh, to switch, Verstappen was able to, to be out in the lead and keep that gap to just below the, the, pit, the, the pit stop loss time, really. And, and Perez couldn't do anything about it. No, I mean, I actually agree with you. I quite liked Miami too. Excellent. I I think um, there's a common theme at the moment where if there's not a safety car or, you know, all the drama with it, it's a boring race. Um, But not every race can be a classic and I quite enjoyed it. Um, But in terms of Max, he just makes F1 look too easy for him, doesn't he? I just, I don't think it was a bad race in particular for for Perez, it's just Max is on an entirely different league of his own. Plus, that Red Bull is just a rocket. Um, he got up to second place quite quickly. I think it was 15 laps, within yeah, 15 yeah. laps. Never taking big risks and avoided getting bogged down for longer than he needed to. I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it was a great recovery drive because I think Max could start from anywhere on the grid and make his way up to at least second um it's yeah it's just a bit crazy isn't it Red Bull have now won all five races in 2023 with two one twos in four of them that dominance is just insane it's the most dominant I think they've ever been even if you go back to 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 when they were winning championships back in the early 2010s you know this is still the most dominant start they've had but Callum was it was it a bad day for Perez or was it just Verstappen on another level 
I think it's always difficult to tell without being able to see really where the drivers are at, because obviously, as Charlie said, the Red Bull just looks so dominant. But, you know, the one thing that really stood out to me was was 46 laps on the hard compound tyre. And even more impressive when Perez pitted for the mediums, Verstappen was still trading fast laps with them. I mean, lap 36, 37, he just take fast lap and he was he was just so, he was in so much control with managing the gap. It never looked in doubt, did it really? And, you know, I would have loved to have seen Obviously, we would have never seen it because, you know, Formula One teams, they, they manage risk to win the race. But I would have loved to have seen Max just been told to let go the last sort of five, ten laps and see how big a gap he really could have pulled. Because I think the, uh, the, the race winning margin doesn't represent their real performance, does it? No, I mean, with that win, Verstappen uh, extends his uh, championship lead. Gap is now 14 points, if my math is correct. Uh, and... Um, go back to Saudi Arabia, right, where Verstappen had to sort of carve his way through the field. But as Charlie pointed out, you know, we expect him to get up there probably second. But I think what just underlined it was just just how quick he was on on the harder set of tyres. And they had a little bit of a nice battle after the the pit uh, stops. Nice battle between the Red Bulls, but the writing was on the wall. But that was the thing I thought about Miami, actually. A lot of people scream boring, especially after Baku. But Baku isn't actually known for its overtaking really anyway. We just always usually get a crash or a safety car or a late yellow flag at the right time, which really spices it up. Really clean race in Miami. And I don't think, you know, yeah, it would have been, you know, maybe a little bit more entertaining if we'd had a crash or whatever, but we had some really nice side-on battles. Leclerc and Magnussen doing some brilliant stuff. K-Mag, what heroics from him. Poor start, but to keep Leclerc behind him as well, I think that was one of my drives of the race, I'd say, Charlie. Yeah, I for one really enjoyed their battle too. It was definitely one of the highlights of the race for me. Um, not sure Charles will see battling with a Haas as a highlight, but we we have to take what we can as fans. Um, I mean, as impressive as Magnussen's racecraft was for Charles to be stuck behind him for so long was hugely embarrassing for Ferrari. Both Ferrari boys have been complaining all weekend about the drivability of that car, which is such a shame because last weekend was really encouraging in in Baku, but it just seems to have all come crashing down again for them. In typical Ferrari fashion, isn't it? Unfortunately, (laughs) whenever they are the absolute experts in giving their fans a load of hope, just enough to make everyone watch and get excited just to crash back down again. And, you know, let's not forget the qualifying as well. Like, obviously... You know, we, we talk about the race, but obviously I really enjoyed the qualifying. There was a lot of challenges for the driver. It's a very unique circuit there. There's a lot of different corner combinations. And I think, yeah, maybe what we lacked in overtaking, we did see a lot of mistakes cropping up over the course of the weekend, which obviously did make it interesting. But yeah, as you as you guys spoke about the battle between Magnussen and Clerk, great for Magnussen, great to get his elbows out. We love it when Cave Mag is doing some racing, but um, not necessarily the, uh, the event that Charles would have wanted, especially with the crashing quality. So... It seems to be like a bit of an ebb and flow season, doesn't it? Whenever you think a team's like on the up, something just turns around and goes again. And, you know, obviously we've been saying in the last few podcasts with Alpin, all of a sudden now they're, you know, double points finish. Are they back up on the up again? There's a lot of narratives going on behind the scenes that that could set up for as as we ramp up towards the end of the year when things start to get a little bit more uh, more spicy, hopefully for some some good stories, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. On, on Leclerc, um, w- he feels like, I feel like he's a win or bin driver at the moment. He crashes far too much for a top level talent that he is, a championship 
capable driver, Callan, when is there going to come a time where people start to go, come on, Charles, you can't keep doing this? And there was the win or bin moment in qualifying, right? But then in the race, it actually seemed like he can't, he can't win in our eyes because he, he didn't actually get his elbows out much because Magnussen kept mugging him off. Like this is this is captain over analyst potentially, right? Like obviously I've again, this is kind of like the generation of drivers that I, I I was lucky enough to race against. So we've all seen them all come through and you know, from the outside, maybe this isn't this, this isn't the case. But I think it must be quite difficult for Charles to be watching Max doing what he's doing. I mean, they've raced together the entirety of karting. There's that great meme, isn't there, from when they fired each other off, what was it? Nothing, just an incident. Like everyone loves that. And that we're talking like, you know, we're talking 10, 12 years where the same drivers have all been racing against each other and, and all being competitive as well, right? Like we've all been fighting for race wins. To now go and watch Max be as dominant as he as he is, it must be tough for Charles because he got the Ferrari drive. The, he got the seat in Formula One, didn't he? And he's not necessarily delivering the results that maybe, you know, childhood Charles thought he was going to. You couple with that with the fact that obviously, you know, we were looking at when the regulation switched. You had a very competitive Ferrari. They were dominating, taking pole positions. And it, it was almost like, yeah, finally we had the Charles Leclerc that could challenge for the world championship. Fast forward to the end of that season. He's in the barrier, poor Ricard. He's making mistakes and he watched the championship slip away from him. And I think, again, like I said, maybe it's captain over analyst, but like a, a helicopter view from a, a driver's perspective, it must be very difficult to watch potentially what you'll think is your chance of making your mark on the sport disappear because a guy who you've already been beating is dominating in, in a car that's clearly superior and he's at the top of his game. So I think we're seeing a little bit of desperation from Charles, maybe all this kind of like either end of the extreme, the the win it or bin it or the, oh, I can't make a mistake because I've already just made a mistake before. And it's a very difficult driver position for a driver to be in in Formula One. There's enough pressure on these these amazing athletes as there is. And um, yeah, the margins are so small. So I think Charles is probably finding the line and and dealing with some other stuff. And, and hopefully he can uh, get back into that performance window where we see him really dominant. Yeah. What do you reckon, Charlie? I just don't think he really knows where the limit is. I, he just pushes and pushes and he just seems to, and I don't know if it's the car. I mean, I know Carlos said as well after qualifying that both he was close to crashing twice I think he said in the same corner so there's definitely something wrong with the Ferrari but this isn't new for Charles he you know as Callan just said in 2022 he went spiraling down at the start of the season we thought that he was a real contender and he turned out not to be and I don't think we can put all of that blame entirely on Ferrari last year he did make some of his own mistakes um I mean I'm gonna be quite controversial here I don't think that Charles's championship Material. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> claim for it. Well, yeah, if he keeps that, if he keep, after all that, if he keeps on going the way he is, though, Charlie, I think you're probably right. Though, if he if he keeps bidding it, he's never going to get a championship. Yeah, I don't know what it is about him. There's just I've just had this feeling that he just can't can't extract what you know he needs to out of like the cars that he's given and I think he's been given plenty of opportunities to kind of prove himself and time and time again he's not doing that he's not performing to the level that he should be very very interesting I think the (laughs) the problem is though you put him up against his teammates and he always has that raw speed and natural ability to to effectively outclass his teammates I mean there's never really a discussion in Ferrari about who the number one driver is and I think that's that's a really interesting point actually that you've you've kind of made that he's come through the the junior formally. He obviously won GP2, which is is now 
is now F2. But, you know, up until that point, he was, he kind of wasn't really a championship fighter the year that he raced against Verstappen and F3. Ocon won. Verstappen, I think, was, was third. He had a load of problems with engines, but also, you know, it was his first year in cars and, and Leclerc finished fifth that year. So it's actually interesting when you put him up against the current grid of people he's racing against. That's, that's quite a unique perspective. Is he actually good enough? Does he just have the speed or is he the complete package? We'll, we'll let the, uh, the WTF1 fans decide that one hopefully that generates some conversation oh i think it might <laughs> god i'm gonna have no, hate in my twitter mentions no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're now banned from monaco charlie you can't go back there yeah. oh god well that's not too long away as well it got imola then monaco and leclerc's a bit of a curse on him around monaco yeah. doesn't he oh we'll see what happens with him there but um but still the, the coming back to the Le- leclerc magnuson battle that that actually for me was was one of the best parts of the race but it highlighted, I think, Magnussen in the end, he got a bad start. Let's be honest. Good the Steiner said at the start for, for Haas and K-Mag that if they can come away with, with points, that would be good. And you think when you're starting up in fourth, God, that's a bit, <laughs> bit of a low bar to set. But because of how tight the midfield is, Charlie, I mean, it, it is. There's only a few tenths separating most of the midfield pack go back to qualifying you know Logan Sargent qualified plumb last but it was only a couple of tenths of making it way through off his teammate at least so while Red Bull have made this amazing jump that is beyond anybody's sort of dreams the rest of the field particularly in that mid-pack as Callum pointed out the Alpines both getting points on the board is really tight and I think that is where we're seeing some really good racing at the moment in Formula One this year yeah I mean I'm a McLaren fan. If you did, if you do, didn't know. Oh. So, um, so sorry. I mean, so, so yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. yeah thank, thank you. <laughs> um, I can't say that the midfield fight has been uh, tremendous for me this, this so far this season. But I mean, it's it is really difficult. I think Alonso said that a couple of weeks ago that you can in Q3 in Q1 you can go from like third to sixteenth within like six tenths which is insane and but then <laughs> I don't feel like we should be as as Formula One as a sport I don't feel like we should be holding out our hopes for a midfield fight I don't think that's fair for fans so um yeah I'm hoping that's, I don't understand that I, I I've been a Formula One fan for like over a decade right now uh, and there's always a dominant team there always is there always has been all right but I love the fact that you I can get excited over a battle for sixth just as much as I was getting excited in the race yesterday over oh is is Stroll going to get Sonoda for 11th in the, <laughs> on the line here I know okay it's not big points but you know you, you, you got to allow yourself to get excited about that kind of thing right otherwise you're just setting yourself up for disappointment left right and center I don't know. I think as a McLaren fan, I've kind of learned that if I if I don't expect anything, then I can't be disappointed. Uh, hope <laughs> so, is just uh, postponed disappointment. That's all it is. You know? Exactly. That's McLaren motto, apparently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I probably asked me last year or the year before, and I probably would have had a different answer. But whilst um my boys are fighting for P nineteen, I can't really be I can't really be thrilled about um the midfield battle at the moment. I don't know about you, but with prices soaring, I'm finding it more important than ever to save money and cut back on expenses. I used to spend loads every month on streaming services. 
Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, you name it. But since I started using ExpressVPN, I've been able to cut back and save every month. Let me explain. See, all these streaming services like Netflix actually have thousands of more shows than you think. You just don't see them all because they give you different shows depending on your country. So what you see on Netflix here is completely different to what someone in Italy or South Korea sees. But using the ExpressVPN app, I can change my online location. ExpressVPN has over 90 countries to choose from, so every time I run out of stuff to watch, I just switch to another country to unlock new shows. That's money saved straight away. At less than $7 a month, ExpressVPN pays for itself and so much more. So if you want to get way more shows and save money while you're at it, go to expressvpn.com slash WTF1. Don't forget to use our link so you get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash WTF1. Yeah, it, it, it was... Uh, an absolute disaster this weekend for McLaren. Although I don't think uh, they were too surprised by that, hearing the rumblings coming out out of the garage. I think they're hoping for for more once we sort of get into this little bit of European leg that we've got coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, But Callan, while we're on McLaren then... um, uh, Norris, uh, actually Piastri made a really good start, to be fair to yeah. him. He, he, he made up quite a lot of positions. Norris got a biff from Nick De Vries coming into turn one, which really undermined uh, what had turned out to be a really good qualifying for Nick. First time out qualifying Yuki Tsunoda. The amount of times this weekend, I was doing the commentary right for BBC Five Live, the amount of times we've spoken <laughs> about De Vries under pressure, he can't <laughs> find his way in Formula One. This this is another uh, notch that, that didn't do him any good. I don't know how many more podcasts I can do defending Nick DeFries. Yeah. I know I keep saying I'm going to give him time and I'm going to do just that. But I just, I just not at the start, Nick. You can't crash oh, into no. the back of someone in turn one. Like, you, as you said, great quality. You know, looked like he was going to find a little bit more, uh, a little bit more rhythm. That Nick that I spoke about on the last pod and, and I was kind of looking forward to seeing. Qualifying happens. I'm there again. Hope. Then what happens? Disappointment. Um, and you know the good thing is at least he didn't take he didn't take out the McLaren. If he had actually like fully fired him off, um, I kind of had a, a bit of a bet with my girlfriend. We were watching the race on on Dutch TV here in the Netherlands, and um, obviously they they love the the Dutch drivers. There's there's Max. Obviously everything's about him, and <laughs> we were having a bet as to how long. De Vries would last in the race without a mistake, and I I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I was like last 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 three quarters that's when the mistake is going to come he's going to but he's going to produce a solid drive till then literally turn one he goes and plows into the back of mclaren and she's just staring at me with his face of disapproval like you're meant to know the sport what's going on so um yeah i it's really difficult isn't it because like you say we shouldn't really be talking about him being under pressure but he just needs to start being more consistent and you know, effectively showing what he can do, even if it's not at a hundred percent, we need to see ninety nine point nine percent Nick. You know, at least. And um, if he can get into a rhythm, something might come. But yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? Because um, hopefully, and I'm saying this now again, hopefully we're going to go back to the European leg of the year. The tracks he knows from the junior formula, he's going to feel much more comfortable. And we're going to see Nick taking the fight to Yuki and some horrendous, um, well, hopefully very good memes and funny content that comes from it too, because we love Yuki. 
Oh, I big fan of Yuki. He must be so frustrated right now that all of his results have either been at eleventh place or tenth place <laughs> so far. And that I think that highlights just how tight this midfield battle is. You know, Magnuson was the one that managed to pick up that one point for the midfield team. It was Sonoda the last couple of rounds, and it seems a shame, Charlie, that after all that hard work, Magnuson only gets a one point. Sonoda only got a one point last time around, but it really is the points disparity in the constructors. Once you get past the big hitters, then people aren't picking up big points anymore in Formula One. No, it's it's crazy, really, when you think like, you know, we, we can we can effectively say we've got top four teams this year, I think. And, you know, that takes out eight spaces. That takes eight point scoring parts of the of the top 10 so then you're only left with the trips and drabs of uh ninth and tenth i mean alpine did a really good job at securing eighth and ninth this weekend that was incredible for them considering considering the formula one that we are we are in right now yeah so yeah it's uh it's definitely tighter than i think i think the tightest midfield battle i can remember watching there we go. That's that's a bit more that's like it. The idea. tightest <laughs> midfield battle ever in Formula One. That's, that's a sound like and a half. There we go. <laughs> Generate that excitement. Come on. Can, can we can we do like a, a our little in our own little podcast? We should do like a, a second world championship. Like obviously, you know, well, everyone thinks Verstappen's got it won. Hopefully, Perez can do something about it, or there's some magic when we go back to Europe. But we should do like our own little championship. Well, best think, of the rest. Right? Oh yeah, and, and we can we can present an award to everyone's the the the. I like that. What? So, what? who are you including though? Are, are we? What? Who? Is it just excluding Red Bull and everybody else? Or I think just excluding Red Bull and Fernando Alonso because the guy's on the form of his life. Like he, yeah. he, yeah, if he was true. the only person that can beat Max Verstappen in a Red Bull, and I'm saying this, the only person that can beat him is Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso in his current form right now, I think would make Max's life unbearable and it yeah. would be so good to watch. I would enjoy it so much. That would be good. I actually predicted Alonso for a win if there was a little bit of of carnage. I, there was maybe a thread of rain, and I thought, you know what, Alonso, if he got if he got in front, he would just be so stubborn and keep everyone behind him, no matter even if he wasn't faster. Sadly, not to be, but he was rewarded with a third place for his effort. So back on the podium uh, for uh, Aston Martin. Um, let's just uh, have a look at a couple of the fight backs through the field. Charlie, disaster weekend for Mercedes. Salvaged a little something by the end of it. Hamilton carving his way through the field. Eventually, it wasn't as clear cut and and precise as Verstappen, but he managed to do it. Uh, and then uh, Russell staying up into the points as well. He started sixth, finished in fourth in the end. So damage limitation for Mercedes, and they're going to be desperately relying on this big upgrade that they've got coming in a couple of weeks, right? I mean... I'd actually call them winners from the Miami Grand Prix. I mean, I'll I'll await the eye rolls from non-Lewis fans as I say these words, but I think his performance <laughs> this weekend was really impressive. I mean, I, low, I low, the, the, bar, the, bar, the bar was <laughs> yeah. low from Friday. Elaborate, so. elaborate. go on. <laughs> Tell me I more. Mean, a result that would have seemed like an absolute disaster years ago has put a big smile on my face, especially going into next weekend where the, they're bringing big upgrades for Imola, for Lewis to convert this his absolutely horrific qualifying result to finish P6 is really something. I think that car proved to be a much more competitive force over a race distance rather than, you know, in their quali runs. 
Um, you know, Lewis slowly carved his way through the field, particularly as, you know, fuel load came down and he made the swap for medium compound tyres. I think it's just drives like that that remind me how incredible of a driver he actually is. Uh, and, you know, it kind of it goes back to um, when you think about Alonso saying in Spa last year about saying that he can only win at the front. Mm. I mean, it wasn't a win, but in Mercedes' eyes, I'm taking it as a win. <laughs> This well, is how we, we enjoy if, Formula One, isn't it? If we consider the best of the rest championship, actually, yes, it may well yeah. be the first valuable points in taking the championship for Lewis. Well, and uh, we we won't get into what number championship it is, though. We'll we'll move swiftly on from that. We're we're well past <laughs> that point now. So yeah, I, I actually agree with you, though, Charlie. I think I think that's a very good point, isn't it? It's very easy to kind of overlook the driving a Formula One car is hard. That's why most people can't do it. And as you say, especially when you're not in the best car, there's there's, there's loads of different obstacles to get from point A to point B, especially in modern Formula One with tyre saving, fuel saving, traffic, difference in strategies. You know, obviously the cars are difficult to drive as well. So, um, yeah, that's a really good point, actually, and, and something that I think was massively overlooked. And I think you're right. It, it kind of shows and gives you a bit of a reminder just how good the, uh, the seven-time world champion is, isn't it? Well, in our best of the rest championship, which we're going with, Lewis Hamilton leads the way uh, with a 12-point with a gap to Carlos Sainz in oh. second. And then there's only another four points to George Russell, Leclerc, Stroll, Norris, all in this fight. What a championship we're set for. I'm so excited 2023 is like no other. Uh, <laughs> well, you've got to find it. Uh, you've got to find the fun somewhere, haven't you? Um, let's have a couple of uh, fan talking points that have come in. And one of the big things over the weekend, apparently, now, uh, Callum and I didn't really see this because, well, Callum was watching Dutch TV. I was on the radio doing it. Um, Jackie Stewart's versus the Miami Grand Prix security on the grid, Charlie. <laughs> For those that might have missed it, uh, can you just fill us in on what happened? Okay. Martin Brundle is just out there doing his thing, his grid walk. He casually disses the Williams sisters on his way and finds Jackie Stewart standing in a closed off part of the grid where they are doing the intros, I can only assume. Um, Roger Federer is there <laughs> and Martin's just shouting to get his attention. It's a bit like, can you remember a couple of, was it last year or a couple of races ago where he's like shouting down the grid going, Esteban, Esteban, Esteban. It was like that, but for, for Roger. Um and then Jackie Stewart is just like, hold my hat and skips through the barrier. <laughs> the security are like immediately on him. And he's just trying to get Roger Federer on the show whilst being handled by security. George Russell intervenes, like get your hands off Jackie. It just, it was, it was chaos. It was easily my favorite moment of the race though, which I don't think speaks volumes about the race itself. <laughs> but it just, you know, he, he managed to get a chat with him as well. Although by the time he came over, Martin was like, we're running out of time. So then like all the intros started and then they were still talking to Roger Federer and Jackie Stewart just sat there with the biggest smile on his face. Like, look what I got you. <laughs> like, we but, yeah. It we was... need more wholesome people like Jackie Stewart in the world. Like, what a wholesome man. Can we? And, and you know what? He's protecting the national icon that is Martin Brundle. That man needs to be protected at all costs, doesn't he? <laughs> I can't believe I missed this. I, I, you know, I got Guido van der Gaard and Tom Coronel talking at me in a language I don't understand. And I, I missed the moment of probably the season. Jackie Stewart getting tackled by security and fighting back. 
Isn't Tom Parnell <laughs> the guy that likes every single sort of tweet or Instagram or whatever that anyone puts up on He's on basically a bot, isn't he, really? Yeah. He's a social media <laughs> bot. <laughs> but yes, he, he took a break from liking all of the uh, the social media yeah, posts to talk, everyone yeah. in the entirety. He might as well to talk about Formula One for an hour before going back to his real job. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> well thank, I'm glad Jackie Stewart managed to survive the Miami uh, security. But look, first race of three in the US that we're going to have this year. You know, it's, it's a record-breaking season for a number of reasons. That being one of them, we've got Cota, which we're all used to, Vegas, which everyone's really excited for. Formula One has cracked America, I think it's fair to say. And uh, everyone's loving the the glitz and glam. Uh, Callum, what did you make of the driver intros? Now, now that the track is open 50 minutes beforehand, Formula One had basically decided, well, for this Miami Grand Prix to, to shove in a load of extra stuff for the drivers. And we had it before, <laughs> a few years ago, when the, the boxing announcer, Michael Buffer, in, in Austin, did all the, the, you know, in the left corner is Lewis Hamilton and all that. And they kind of did it again, but with LL Cool J and Will I Am with like a 30-piece symphony and uh, orchestra, I should say. And smoke, pom-poms, typical America, <laughs> a little bit of eye rolling. I loved it. I mean, I would have loved to have known what the drivers were discussing. So obviously they've, <laughs> they've been given their media briefings the weekend. It's like, yes, you're talking to this person, you're talking to this person, this serious interview about this, this piece for this. Oh, and by the way, just before you're about to go do that thing that you do where you guys all go on track and race at really high speeds, you all have to stand in a, in behind a stage. LL Cool J is going to announce you and you're all going to walk out to this absolute <laughs> spectacle. Well, I am conducting. He's there. The, the people were loving it. I... I just want to know what the chat was before where you got Fernando Alonso sat talking to Charles Leclerc going, I'm, I'm, I'm a two-time world champion. I remember when I used to race Michael Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Will I am there as he walks out. But he, you know, they all, they all seem to enjoy it. And I, I quite like it. it. It adds a bit of personality to the sport. It's something completely unique, isn't it? And it, if anything, it brings back a bit of fun to a sport that can sometimes be so serious. Yeah. And as my my other question is, how did they decide that LL Cool J was the guy who would do the announcing? And <laughs> and since when is Will I am a conductor? These are all the questions I need answering. I, I mean, I don't know if that was actual conducting or not, but <laughs> it, so, it sounded pretty good, man. It sounded pretty good. He and he had all the movements, everything. Yeah, was he, had, he had the movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. whether that actually meant anything or not, I, who knows? But I mean, yeah, Charlie, uh, power moves with Will I am and, and LL Cool J. I was always a big fan of LL Cool J from NCIS. Los Angeles, not his music or anything like that, but great actor. Um, but we love a bit of pageantry. As long as it's not every race, I think we can get away with it. No, I hated it. No. <laughs> really? It wasn't that bad. Come it really, on. It really was. Right. If you can, my first, it, it was okay, right? And then when they announced um, Nico Hulkenberg and the little, like, I don't know who was re- who wrote these cards, but, and it said... His nickname's the Hulk because of his fast and aggressive driving. No, it's the Hulk because his last name is Hulkenberg. Like mm. that is the only reason. That, that so, is that is quite a valid point, actually. There was there, the, <laughs> the word potential was used quite a lot. Like my man LL was using the word. Every driver was had the potential to win, and you're like, surely one of them has to be terrible. They can't all be good. You know what I mean? You can't. You have to have an opinion. <laughs> The potential to finish 20th doesn't sound as quite as good, though, does it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a bit of uh, driver insight from all the transcripts that I was going through last night. Um, only one driver enjoyed it. Can you guess who? Sergeant, 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 Sergeant. No. No. 
who would have enjoyed oh. it? Uh, Hamilton? George, George yeah. Russell. Lewis. Oh, no, no, Lewis. Lewis. It was, of course it was Lewis. He's basically American now. He lives over there after bloody time. He loves it. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't think it brings anything to the sport. I actually, I saw a lot of comments from um, Americans saying that Europeans were just boring and we hate the US. And I just want to say it's not that at all. From a fan standpoint, I've watched the sport. I know who they are. And ultimately, I'm a fan of the racing. And what happens on the track, not so much their personalities and whatever goes behind behind the scenes. And I feel like I might get a bit of hate for saying this, but Alonso did mention it as well. Why does Miami get anything different to what, say, Silverstone, Baku, Spa, any any other tracks like that get? Why did they get this this whole pageantry? It's their second it's their second time there as well when we don't get that. So I think Alonso said if we're gonna do it in one place we need to do it everywhere and i don't think we need it everywhere <laughs> i would i would i would love to see the drivers rolling out at silverstone with like a coronation chicken sandwich and like <laughs> a really a really posh announcer and i i and then you know we take them all to like the ends in london or something like that could actually just this could be good <laughs> we could we make could it really specific we could appreciate the culture of every country, Charlie. You're missing a trick here. We no. can have so, and you know, you know, what was the best thing about it was seeing the drivers. They they all say that they don't like it, but if you go back and you rewatch that, you can see the drivers that really enjoyed it, but just don't want to say it. Like the smile on George Russell's face as he walked out to the adoring fans. That was that was a priceless moment. That's going to live on in George's mind for the rest of his life. I don't know, Nick DeVries just kind of like quickly put his head down and shuffled through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the grid. Um, I mean, I watch quite a lot of American sports. I mean, I absolutely adore IndyCar and NASCAR. My boyfriend is a huge basketball fan. And that kind of fanfare just doesn't happen in those sports. So why are they trying to make a thing of it in Formula One? I, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Because they're trying to milk it while they can and get all the money. <laughs> That's essentially I, why. I'm dreading Vegas. Controversial like, opinion there, Harry. Controversial. <laughs> oh, Vegas is going to be. Uh, uh, it's going to be hectic. I think Miami um, on steroids. I think. Yeah. There, <laughs> there is something to be said, you know, for Formula One in America. They they re really are they really are trying to make it a big thing. But you know, what else were they going to be doing in this part of the part of the pre race build up? You know, what else? we're just going to watch, you know, the the broadcasters waffle on and fill time until we get to the formation lap, essentially. Or can we get a well, little bit of a little bit of star power? That's the thing, though. The drivers all complained that because they didn't the reason why they didn't like it, it was because it cut into their time with their engineer in, with their engineers and things. So and they were stood out there in the sun <laughs> before having to jump in the cars. So from their point of view, it kind of cut into like their valuable time with their with the people they need to talk to, not, you know, <laughs> being put on a podium, literally, to I hundreds think, of fans. I think the interesting thing, though, is like we we work with a lot of drivers in America as well. Like I'm actually off to Indianapolis tomorrow for the, the road course race. We, we work with drivers on the road to Indy. And it's interesting you said there's not that like fanfare because I don't think the fanfare gets broadcast. But actually on an IndyCar weekend, there is... There's more of that than kind of meets the eye. It just kind of goes unnoticed because it's just sort of like the norm, if that makes sense. Like everything in IndyCar is open. There's, uh, we, we won a race um, in St. Petersburg with one of our drivers, local, local racer, won his home race. I mean, I think he's getting a key to the city. Like that, that's, and he's, he's, in the equivalent <laughs> of, he's in the equivalent of F4 over there, a championship called USF 2000. It's the first wow. step on the IndyCar ladder. And, 
And, you know, that's, you, some would say here, like we, we work with drivers in F4, they win a race, they get a pat on the back and then they get told to do better because they're looking for Formula One. He's getting a key to the city. Like, and obviously very good racing driver, but you kind of see that and you go, I think that's just more the sort of the style of doing things. They just, there's more, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't, cause I don't want to, you know, that's, it's a great country. I love America. There is just more extraness to what they do yeah, That's more yeah. of a, it's more of like a, a show it's more of a fanfare and i think the reason you don't see with stuff like indycar is just because it just happens in the background yeah it's I, so I, ingrained well, I prefer that. Yeah. well yeah we, we need to appeal to america we, imagine yeah. imagine I, winning the f3 race in silverstone and then you get a key to northampton like well, <laughs> you get a permanent residency in milton Keynes. <laughs> wow oh that's that's what's on offer for these f3 drivers we'll get back to the show in a moment but first a quick word about our partners at moneygram we live in a world that's more digital than ever with nearly every want or need just to tap away and so many of our favorite digital services seamlessly meet the physical world when they're delivered to your front door but until now that hasn't been true for crypto digital currencies have been tied up online with no easy way to bring them into the real world That's why we're so excited to share that you can now cash in and cash out of select digital wallets that participate in MoneyGram locations without a bank, credit card, or debit card. Convert your digital currency to cash and back again using the only digital wallets with real cash access activated by MoneyGram. Learn more at moneygram.com slash wallets. That's moneygram.com slash Stella. That's S-T-E-L-L-A-R wallets. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, let's, uh, before we uh, wrap things up, we've got a few things in from Twitter from uh, our lovely listeners uh, who want us to uh, answer some questions for them. One of them uh, was, uh, we talked about fightbacks early doors, and this is from Kira. Um, Lance Stroll, Callan, didn't quite make steady pace as we thought he might do. He's one of the big names to drop out Q1 um, in that Aston Martin, which didn't look like it was massively on pace at the start of the weekend anyway. But when you look where Alonso managed to finish up, Stroll just couldn't cut through the field. I wonder, we had DRS zones that were shortened. I actually think that was fine in the end in terms of what it came to overtaking. But did that think, did that have a negative effect on Stroll, do you reckon? I th- I think the car, to be honest, I know Alonso's talking a lot about how great the car is and how it's the best car he's ever driven. And he's he's really, you know, putting himself in this team. I just think Alonso's doing a great job. And I think he's, it's, it's you know, when you ride on board with the onboards, it's not an easy, it's, it's not like you're watching Fernando's onboards and you see in qualifying that there's loads left on the table and he's just sort of doing the 99% job. He's, he's extracting everything out of that car possible. And I think if you look at what he's extracting compared to, to Lance, it kind of makes sense that obviously Lance isn't going to cut through the field because I don't think the car has quite a big pace advantage as say the Red Bull or, you know, depending on who he's racing against. So I don't, I don't think the DRS zones were okay. As as we said earlier in the pod, I would have loved to have seen drivers fight a little bit more, but I think there's more complicated factors. Um, but I just, I think Alonso is making Stroll look a little bit average, um, to be honest. And yeah, doing an amazing job and not necessarily a negative reflection on, on Lance, but more of a positive reflection on Fernando. But he gave him some more advice though, didn't he, Charlie? Not advice. Um, it was more great just, overtake. It, it was, it was, yeah, great overtake. Alonso <laughs> clearly having, not not pushing much in third, able to watch the big screens around the track. I mean, yeah. is, does that not just say everything about the race? <laughs> if if, <sighs> uh, if if even Alonso could sit and watch while he was just like tootling along in P three, 
then uh, remember we're we're ex- we're excluding the top three now from our from our championship view. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. He's in his uh, he's he's third in the actual championship. He's yeah, not yeah, fighting exactly. for the, the WTF one uh, host race review <laughs> podcast championship. It's, it's Hamilton leads that one. Tied at the top. Um well I, again on that then, I mean, yeah, okay. It wasn't a cracker thrill of a race from start to finish. That's obvious. But I think it was more interesting than people are very quick to put on Twitter about. Um, but m- the majority of the tweets that came in basically asked the same question. When are we going to put this season in the bin? Does it deserve that? I'll let you take this one, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, or, thank you. Or Harry, feel free to lead. I'll let you take that one. <laughs> um, no, I think a lot of people are very quick to say, oh, the sport's dead. It isn't dead. It's just going through its, here's a really dominant team era again. It's a cycle that F1 has and probably always will go through. A team is on top. They dominate. F1 and the FIA try to change that. They bring in a huge rule overhaul. It knocks a team off the top spot and inevitably another team takes over. Then we go through the cycle again and again. It isn't new. It's just F1. And if anything, it's kind of part of its nature. But I think this like F1 is boring malarkey comes back to the high expectations that we were set out with the 2022 regulation change. I've said this a couple of times, but I remember at the start of 2022, I made some predictions on my embarrassingly bad YouTube channel um, about... Uh, that there would be like 12 different race winners and like Latifi Latifi would be on the podium and like things like that. And it was just, I think the 22 regulations were just so overhyped that it's disappointed people. And that's why I think they are under the illusion that it's boring. I don't know. Yeah. I I think you are right. It's like we, you know, in sport, no one, you take another sport like football. No one ever remembers the nil-nil draw, do they? But obviously, exactly. if there's if there's 150 football matches on across different divisions, of course something's going to happen, which makes it easier to then go through on you know after the game and go look at this amazing moment, look at this great goal, whatever. Um, yeah, I think you're right. It comes down to expectation. Unfortunately, the sport that we all love is set out on a given hour and a half to two hours on a on a weekend. And sometimes we get thrillers because it happens and other times it's it's a nil-nil draw. But even in the nil-nil draw, there's always positive things. There's always moments of genius. There's always those little narratives, isn't there? And I quite like the idea of, of taking the narrative of Formula One. And as we said, refraining from my comments that I made at the start of this, I'm a changed man 40 minutes later. Um, let's, you know, let's let's embrace the midfield fight. Let's do it. Let's let's focus on the little details. And actually, I think as as a fan of Formula One, that's more interesting because it's unlocking a new part of the sport that maybe gets overlooked if you just look for the superficial safety car, big crash, whatever it is, mm. exciting races, weather affected, whatever you want to call it. I agree with both of you. I think, I think you make very, very good points. I think uh, one way to make this midfield battle a little bit more interesting is we have points that go down a little bit further than 10th personally Ooh. i think that Ooh. would be a good way if we're going to be stuck with these i mean i know 2026 is coming and there's, there's even more of a change coming then with with the power units and things but i think more points on offer for our f1 drivers and if we're going to get more teams as well then well, definitely we definitely we definitely see drivers fighting harder and i think that would also produce more exciting racing like mm. drivers aren't going to fight as hard for 15th especially with the cost cap and the risk crashing true then if, if you know if the points went further down we'd see drivers and teams taking more risks to get those valuable points i like once again, second nomination for FIA president. <laughs> <laughs> one more and one more sliver from the FIA. One more, <laughs> one more and it's a slam dunk. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm in. 
Done. Um, right. Okay, then. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Uh, we are just about out of time, but if there's enough time for our WTF1 podium uh, from the Miami Grand Prix. Uh, Charlie, who was your star performer of the race? I am going to go with Lewis. Okay. Uh, like I said earlier, I think he had a mega performance. And when you start 13th with a very difficult car, it's not easy to make your way up through the field. So, yeah, that car coming alive and finishing sixth overall, really good job. My star. Nice. Nice. Callan? I, you know what? Your your valuable input almost swayed me to say Lewis. So I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna say Fernando just based off the fact that it's kind of become like a he's Mr. Consistency. He's do he really is doing the job this year. And I think everyone's kind of going, Well, it's Fernando. Of course he's doing. But actually he does deserve some recognition for the awesome job he's doing. He's he's really in a little class of his own compared to the two Red Bulls and compared to the rest of the field. He's in his own Fernando Alonso championship, really, with himself. Exactly. Uh, and he's leading the way. Um, I'm going for Kevin Magnussen as my star performer. Ooh. I love to see the Haas man do well. Uh, Out-qualified Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah, got a bit lucky in qualifying, but still put it in when it counted. Got it up into P4. And the fight back with Leclerc. <laughs> just just being, not, not settling, just being able to mug him back every time. Just elevates it for me. Well done, Magnussen. Uh, on the flip side, worst performer. I'll start two weeks in a row, I'm afraid, for don't Nick say it. Don't say it. Don't do it. Nick don't do it to I'm Big sorry, Nick. Nick. Don't do it I'm to so, Big you Nick. You know what? I was, it was between Nick and Logan, to be honest, but I just, I couldn't, I didn't want to put Logan because it was his home race. So, so uh, DeVries, unfortunately, and, and when you go biffing, I know Sergeant had a bit of contact, but I don't think we saw it on any replays, but you saw DeVries and that was a that was another mistake from the man. So, uh, so DeVries for me, Callan. Um, I'm going to say my worst performer as a team, unfortunately, Charlie was McLaren. I just, yeah, sorry, sorry to, to, you know, go in again, but yeah, they just, I I think they've got two top level drivers. I think they've got great facilities. They've got great personnel and to be where they were just, it, yeah, that wasn't a good weekend for them. So, um, yeah, we'll see if they can turn it around. Charlie. Uh, see, this hurts me because I'm actually, I didn't say earlier, but I'm very pro Nick. I, I, I will defend him for no. my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally in the Netherlands. And if this ever, like, if this is popular here, I'm just protecting myself to not get outside and get beaten up. Yeah. Please but, don't, don't, don't say no, it. Don't say it. I have, don't say it. I have, I have oh. to, I have to. He ran into the back of Lando, ruined his race. And even though oh. it probably wouldn't have ended great anyway, I need a scapegoat. And that is Nick. And I see. that hurts me I to say. I see what you're doing to Nick. You're taking out the, the pain of McLaren. No. You're taking it out on poor Nick, no. the national Nick, treasure. Nick is honestly, he's like my second favourite driver. So that whole like situation when it happened, I was literally like, my heart just dropped. Like, oh no, both of my both of my drivers. I actually like, I feel so strongly about Nick that I refused to, to, to do a piece on the website about how bad of a season he's he's done. And I gave it to Dre. Because That's the I way just, to do it. Yeah, I, I couldn't do it. I, I will defend him for my life. But unfortunately, the McLaren heart kind of goes a little bit above this. So it's him. I, uh, I, I think after that race as well, Sargent, even though he finished last, because he's had some slightly better results overall, Sargent was at the bottom of the standings coming into it. He now gets up to 19th and De Vries falls down, falls down to, to 20th and last. Oh, no. crying in scoop waffles. Yeah. Oh, it's good. not good. It's not good for the, for the old Nicky boy. Uh, all right, come on then. Let's, let's finish this off. Biggest surprise performer, Charlie. 
Um, not a driver, but a team. I'm going to go with Alpine. Yeah, nice. Both Ocon and Gasly, they've had a rough few weeks and they've kind of gone from looking like they were going to be the best of the rest to not even turning up. But they really turned it around this weekend and I think it's really good to see. Yeah, Cal? 100% agree. Also, honourable mention to the FIA for not doing something where they were summoned <laughs> to themselves again. Surprise of the weekend. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Alpen, they they really turned it around. It's a really It was a really strong weekend for them. And yeah, just very, very clean, very clinical. And, and yeah, back in, in a double points finish. So what about you, Harry? I am going for Verstappen, which I know seems bizarre, but only because I just think it was so impressive, even more so than his usual talent displays, that he was able to to keep the gap once he got in front near and about that that pit lane loss if red bull had made us that shaved a second off the pit stop time um and made it around 2.2 seconds which is what we saw signs achieve verstappen would have got him out of the pit lane for sure so it would have happened even quicker there wouldn't be a non-fight battle and i just think i know you know verstappen we know he would have been up there anyway i just think the way he did it was more special than what we've seen in previous times where he's cut through the field personally but um, I agree with that. Alpine's a good shout as well. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Your, your opinion's good, but my opinion's better. Yeah, right. <laughs> pretty much. Um, right, we'll finish it there then. Thank you very much, uh, Charlie Williams, Callan O'Keefe, for joining me. I've been Harry Benjamin. Thank you for getting in touch. Please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcast if you enjoyed this podcast cast yes if you enjoyed it uh and if you've got any constructive feedback we're always here to listen uh and we will be back uh for some more chat next week the next race though uh, is not for a couple of weeks a little bit of a gap uh to imola and then we get into a bit of a european leg with monaco and spain following suit before we head over uh, to canada uh, for a canadian flyover um but in the meantime make sure you like and subscribe follow us on social medias uh, and we shall see you next time on the wt F1 podcast. Bye-bye.